The Shabbos before Pesach is called Shabbos Hagadol, the Great Shabbos. And the reason is because a great miracle happened on that Shabbos as part of the Exodus story. But what's great about that miracle and why it is specifically commemorated on a Shabbos has to do with the spiritual nature of Shabbos. And once we understand how Shabbos works, it gives us a depth of understanding about the story as well. The Tambos, the Shabbos, Fachaga Pesach, Vet Onguf, and Shabbos are God, those Octal Trebet Shulchanoruch. The Altrebet says in Shulchanoruch, the reason why the Shabbos before Pesach is called Shabbos Agodol, let's quote him, Ezele Shoyna. The Shabbos prior to Pesach, we call the Great Shabbos. Reason being, because a great miracle happened on that day. What was the great miracle? Because because you had to take the lambs that were going to be used for the first carbon Pesach when they were still in Egypt on the 10th of Nisan. The Pesach says that you take it on the, on the, uh, the 10th of the day. Each, each family had to take a sheep. And that 10th of Nisan was a Shabbos. Now when they took these animals, so the firstborn Egyptians came to the Jewish people and they said to Shalom, they wanted to know, why are you doing this? The Jews said to the firstborns, we're bringing a, a, an offering to Hashem. And the reason is, because the Abish is going to kill the firstborn Egyptians. Well, the firstborns didn't like that too much. So the firstborns went to their own parents and to Paroi himself, the and asked them, please send the Jews out. <laughs> you know, our life is on the line over here. And Paroi and the leadership of Egypt didn't want to listen. Well, then, there was an uprising of the firstborns and a civil war against Paroi and the leadership. And they killed many, many people. Says the Alter Rebbe, that's what the meaning of the Pasuk in Tilim is when it says, to strike the, the Egyptians with or through their firstborns. Because that happened on Shabbos, we establish, says the Alter Rebbe, a commemoration of that miracle every single year through the generations on Shabbos. And we call that the Great Shabbos. That's how Shabbos Agodal got its name. So we know the backstory. Now we need to understand how and why this is. Davin Fashtayn. First thing, why does Zaltareb have to tell us that there was a great miracle that happened on that day? Which seems to imply the reason it's called the Great Shabbos is because the miracle that happened on the day was a great miracle. Now, logically, let's assume that the miracle that happened on that Shabbos was a regular miracle. Not some outstanding miracle. Would still be good enough as a reason to distinguish this Shabbos from every other Shabbos on the calendar and call it the Great Shabbos because there was a miracle. It didn't have to be a great miracle. Because a Shabbos that has a miracle is greater than an ordinary Shabbos. So that would be enough reason for Shabbos. Hagadol, what does the Alter Rebbe intend by telling us it was a great miracle? Question two, base noch mehr nicht verstandig. In fact, the second question is even stronger. In was versteht die Größkeit von dem Nes, als es angerufen werden, nicht Nes stam, nor Nes Godel. What was so incredible about this miracle that gives it the status of not just being a miracle, but a great miracle? There doesn't appear to be anything so spectacular about the miracle itself. 
Warum? Er ist nicht gewinnen an Eufen von Aflo, mehr wie der Aflo von anderen Nissim. What about this miracle makes it look so more unusual or spectacular than other miracles? Miracles are always spectacular. And we certainly do not see anything spectacular as, the result, as a result of this miracle. Because even after the civil war between the firstborns and everybody else, the Jews remained slaves in Egypt. And they still needed another miracle, which was going to be the death of those same firstborns. And only then could they be freed from Mitzrayim in order to be liberated from Egypt. So what great benefit was there for the Jewish people that there was a great miracle of a civil war between the firstborns and Parayani's people. There's another question, and that is, how come it is that the date we've set to commemorate this miracle is not a date on the calendar? Like, for example, the, the date of the Exodus is Pesach, or various other miracles. But it's specifically something we commemorate according to the days of the week. It's a Shabbos HaGadol, and that fodder does borrow. That also needs to be explained. So, the Alter Rebbe does give a reason for it. The Alter Rebbe is not mavor in them time. Why is it that we do not commemorate this great miracle on the 10th of Nisan every single year? Whether it be Shabbos or a weekday, that's for a Kederich Shunik Mokol Amoyadim, like any other Yontiv. So he says it's a reason that Fisha Basara and Nisan Mesa Miriam, because many years later, the 10th of Nisan would be the day of the passing of Miriam, and it was set to be a day of mourning, uh, sorry, a day of fasting, at least when it's during the week, and so therefore wasn't going to be a, a day of celebration. Fine, we have an explanation. But the truth is, there are no coincidences in Judaism. There has to be a deep explanation to this. Abba von Dezweg, nevertheless. When you consider that every single element of Torah is absolutely precise, we have to say, then in addition to the reason why not to celebrate the date of the 10th, why they didn't make this miracle commemorated on the 10th of Nisan, there also has to be a positive reason why it is associated with Shabbos. So not just to avoid an issue, there has to be a connection between this miracle and Shabbos. Why we chose to commemorate this great event specifically on a Shabbos. Because the truth is that does indicate that there has to be a unique connection between whatever this miracle is all about and Shabbos. And you can actually see this in the fact that Hashem's instruction to the Jewish people was that they should take a lamb per family. When did they have to do it? Not only did they have to prepare the lamb in order to bring a carbon Pesach, but it's very specific in the Torah that they had to bring it on that day, which is on the 10th of Nisan. Which was a Shabbos. So there's a reason that Abish is pushing them to start preparing for the carbon Pesach on Shabbos. Even though in order to bring the carbon Pesach, they had to get the lamb, which means they had to acquire the lamb. You're not really supposed to do that on Shabbos. And they were going to have to move animals, which you're not supposed to do on Shabbos. And transfer from public to private domain. On Shabbos, they had to check that it wasn't blemished. On Shabbos, all of these things are all contradictions to what you're supposed to do on Shabbos, which is to desist from work and to rest.
Ah, you'll say, but there was no Shabbos yet. It's true that this event happened not only before the giving of the Torah, but even before the instruction around Shabbos, which already happened at Mora. But besides that, is in addition to the fact that we do know that Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov observed all of Torah, even prior to it being given, you have to assume that at least some of their descendants also followed suit and also kept certain elements of Torah or all of Torah, or which means at least some Jews were keeping Shabbos. Even before Shabbos was given. But besides that is Dokhma Firash in Midrash Hazal, Medrash tells us as that even while the Jews were slaves in Egypt, in Mitzrayim, Ad Moshe gepelt by Parah as Yama Shabbos or Badidin Zaina Yom Menucha, Moshe was able to convince Paroi that the Jews should have Shabbos off as a day of rest. They did not have to do slave labor on Shabbos. So why did Abishtha now make them do Melocha on Shabbos to prepare for the Korban Pesach? In spite of the fact that the Jews clearly had a tradition of Shabbos and Moshe had convinced Paroi to let them rest on Shabbos and despite that Abishtha still tells them to get the Korban Pesach ready on Shabbos that indicates that the story of preparing the lamb for the Korban Pesach is somehow linked to Shabbos. So the link between the Korban Pesach and Shabbos and the link between the miracle that occurred as a result of the Korban Pesach and Shabbos, all of that tells us that Shabbos is a keystone part of this whole conversation. And to order, in order to understand what the meaning is, we have to understand what is so special and unique about Shabbos. Now we think we know what's unique about Shabbos. We're going to see a different perspective. The to understand all of this, we have to first examine what is Shabbos all about. And to do so, we're going to look at a teaching from the Tzemach Tzedek based on a teaching of the Medrash. Tzemach Tzedek is Mevoy from Pasuk. The Tzemach Tzedek comments, the Pasuk tells us, Mizmor Shilu Yom HaShabbos, that on a Friday in the Beis Amikdash, uh, sorry, on a Shabbos in the Beis Amikdash, Amik, they would sing, the Levim would sing a song from Tilim, Mizmor Shilu Yom HaShabbos, a song for the day of ultimate Shabbos. So the Medrash comments on that, Vazoktif Nepasuk, means what is the day of Shabbos? The time where the Abishta will remove damaging or, or toxic elements from the world. That they won't be able to harm. Like it says, that the wolf will lie with the lamb. In other words, it's a reference to the time of Mashiach. In the time of Mashiach, there will be no harmful elements in this world. Says the Tzemach Tzedek, based on that Medrash, that illustrates to us that the energy and the content of Shabbos is a time that neutralizes harmful elements. Now, how do you neutralize harmful elements? There are two choices. Out of one possibility, eradicate anything which is harmful. Which means the concept of a harmful uh, person being concept disappears. That's one possibility. The other possibility is those things still exist. Snakes, for example, still exist, but they no longer harm. Shabbos, or whatever Shabbos represents in the age of Moshiach, is going to neutralize their harmful element. They don't have to disappear. They're just no longer harmful. 
which is better. And the second thing is that the second thing is that the second thing is that to neutralize the negative elements without neutralizing the actual being is a much more mature, much more developed kind of approach. So to have snakes that don't that have venom is a much greater achievement than no more snakes on earth, as an example. As we explain in Hasidus, because it's much better to transform darkness into light than simply to dispel darkness. The ultimate is to transform something that previously was damaging and harmful into something which is actually innocuous and even useful. Now the truth of the matter is that this Shabbos energy of completely neutralizing all harmful elements of the world is only really going to happen when Mashiach comes. The truth is there was a taste of that already at the original Shabbos, the first Shabbos of creation. How do we know that? It was, you could see it in the nature of that Shabbos, the physical nature of that original Shabbos. Like the Chazal tell us that there were 36 hours of this unique light that effectively extended right through Shabbos. Which means the original Shabbos at the beginning of creation, there was no darkness at night. The night shone with the brightness of day. Which means that already the very first Shabbos that ever existed, the darkness that is natural for nighttime was transformed. Is hapcha was transformed, wasn't neutralized, transformed into light itself. So the Tavas is from Shabbos. The reason why the very first Shabbos already carries the theme of transformation of negative to positive, darkness to light. The reason for that is because if you understand the time of Shabbos, it doesn't behave in the same way as the time of the rest of the week. It is a time of conversion and transformation. Now, the next part is a little bit tricky, but it, it explains why Shabbos is a different experience of time to any other day of the week. We know that Rashi comments, and it's based effectively on a Medrash, that when it comes to Shabbos, at the end of the six days of creation, what did the world still lack? Menucha. It lacked a sense of calm, a sense of tranquility, a sense of serenity. When Shabbos entered the equation, serenity entered the world. So we now have to understand. We know the Magadah message teaches us, Azman is anivra. That time is a creation. It's not that time existed and then within the framework of time, Hashem created space. Time is created together with space. It is a creation like any other creation. And thus, mate, which means, that means not only is it that prior to the creation, there were no beings who were bound by the rules of time. Because the truth is, even post-creation, there are certain things, like for example, a concept, which are not bound by time. In fact, they're not defined by time. So not only were there no beings bound by time before creation, there's no time, there's no concept of time. 
Punkt wie die Gufa hat das Cham sein Nisavah geworden Besheishes im Mei Bereishes Yesh Mei'ein. Just as the physical matter of all the different life forms, inanimate, plant, animal, and human, were created, their form was created from nothing during the creative process. As I say, Chetzem Metzius Asman Abriya Unisavah Schadosha, the concept of time was created from nothing during the creative process. Why is that relevant to our conversation? So that helps us to understand what occurred during the course of the creation of the six days. The very first moment of creation is obviously something new. Wow, there's time. There's a moment. That's new. We've never seen that before. But it's more than that. Each of the six days of creation is the creation of a new type of time. In other words, just like the physical entities that were created on the six days are all distinct, each of the six days of creation was the time of production of a different class of beings that hadn't existed before. And each class of beings is completely different to the other classes of beings that were created on the other days. Likewise, is Yedin Togivar and Aisavus for Naya Anders Dickensman each day or each moment of each day of the six days of creation, a new type of time was created. There's man von Yom Rishon. There's the concept of the time of a first day. Yom Sheni, the concept of the time of a second day. That's why the Zohar tells us, every day achieves its unique purpose. No two days are the same. And each day has its particular energy associated specifically with it. That's why Mondays are different to Tuesdays, which are different to Wednesdays. Now, that was at the time of creation. Ever since the creation of the world, today, is, let's say today's a Monday. It's a repeat of all the Mondays from the very first Monday in history. Or the details of a particular segment of time. So whichever way you look at it, either it's a repeat or it's a detail of the original Monday, the original Sunday, etc. So now time doesn't have to be recreated at every moment. It just has to be reignited at every moment. You come back to the same point in time and it happens again. But in the time of the first week of creation, each day has to be hatched from new. So that's the, if that's the case, then we have to ask ourselves a question. What do you mean Shabbos brings serenity and peace and tranquility to the world? What do you mean Shabbos should bring the time frame called Shabbos? Just like Friday brings a time frame called Friday and from there on there are Fridays, Shabbos should bring a time frame called Shabbos. Why are we asking what did Shabbos bring? We're saying that the innovation, the introduction of energy through Shabbos is the energy of rest. Why? The definition of creation is all the various elements of time and space. Before there was the concept of a seventh day called Shabbos, what was missing in the world is not just an, a, a, a state of rest. The whole concept of Shabbos time hadn't yet been created. So, from Fashtandikas Hainu Hoch, unless, of course, we understand that 
the concept of menucha, of rest, is the nature of the time of Shabbos that was introduced. We cannot distinguish between the time, the 24-hour period called Shabbos that was introduced, and the content of that time, which is the content of rest. for Shabbos is The time of Shabbos is a unique time that is defined as serenity and rest. That was that mean to be in them. Zman is morkafon over hoive un asid. The way that you measure time is past, present, and future. That's what distinguishes time. On in them, in amchilaf ashinafon over hoive ve asid, the fact that there is past, present, and future, that's gleich tzichoyis de zman von alle sheishes and meibereishes. That is common to every day. A Monday has the past, the present, and the future. A Tuesday has the past, present, and future. Even though a Monday is a completely different energy to a Tuesday, etc. Shabbos is different. The time on Shabbos is not past, present and future. The time on Shabbos is rest, that lack of movement. Shabbos is time that is beyond the distinctions of past, present and future. That's what the Chazal are telling us, that when Shabbos comes, rest comes. As desman von Yoimashvi, the nature of time during that seventh day called Shabbos, which, of course, can also be defined in past, present, and future, is in but the reality is in that past, present, and future is something outside of and beyond past, present, and future, which means it is on the one hand, you can watch it on the clock and you will see the passage of time, and yet the nature is you don't feel the passage of time, you feel you're in a state of rest. So that means that Shabbos itself converts, it transforms, transforms ordinary time into an unusual type of time. That has an impact because the time frame of Shabbos is such, has an impact on the day of Shabbos. That Shabbos is a time defined by transformation. So in the language of Hasidus, we'll see a little bit later, in the language of Hasidus, basically, Shabbos allows us to live in time and above time simultaneously, and therefore we're converting the ordinary time frame of the week into something which is beyond the ordinary time frame, because Shabbos is a day that transforms things from their diversified negative reality into a unified positive reality. Let's see. Dugma Davar. So let's find an example in halacha that illustrates the same point, something which reflects the passage of time yet remains beyond the passage of time. So here there are a couple of examples. Yes, There are things that are within the framework of time and therefore they have to be experienced over a specific period of time. And yet, at the same time, that even though it's a passage of time, which may be over a few days, it's a single entity. We're going to have a really good example of this in a moment. Let's first start with this example. The difference between a child whose bar mitzvah is on Shabbos or on Yom Kippur. 
לנט אגוד שווה, אז מנתרס, מנגש שבס, ואתם מחויב בכל עניון השבס, ועל כל רגע השבס זה הזמן פרוטי בפני עצמו. סדרוגת שווה says, if the child becomes by mitzvah in the middle of Shabbos, then that from the age of by mitzvah, you know, it's from the time, I guess, that they were born, that child is now required to keep the rest of Shabbos, because each moment of Shabbos is independent. Whereas Yom Kippur is a single entity, so if you didn't keep the beginning of Yom Kippur, there's no value in keeping the rest of Yom Kippur because it's already happened. That's why we have certain views about Sfer Soimer as well. Sfer Soimer is 49 different days with this past, present and future. It's one concept of counting of Sfer Soimer. So you miss a day, that's it, you can't say the Brocha anymore. You've missed the entire, quanti- the, the entire concept now. In other words, there are places in Halacha where we examine something both in the scope of time, past, present and future, and yet there's got an, it's got an element which transcends time, which is a unified element right across the experience. If you're missing that piece at one point, you're missing the whole piece. Another example, En Lechzedem, Apiola Nem certain things have an effect that is ongoing. Very relevant for us. The example of the Exodus from Egypt is not a once upon a time event. So we understand to exit from Mitzrayim needed time. Not only did it need time, there were phases that were different in the passage of Exodus. Koidam chatzois to prepare the carbon pesach. Chatzois to finish eating the carbon pesach. Leach chatzois to prepare to leave Mitzrayim and get all the gold and silver from the Egyptians. Yoim tezvav nis in the morning of the 15th of Nisan where you actually leave Egypt. All of that together is one concept. Yetzias Mitzrayim, but it's got very distinct time frames with very distinct responsibilities. Ovelashen ha-gemore, if you look at the Gemore's expression, nigalu be'erev, they were redeemed from Mitzrayim at night, bad yotze ba'yoim, they only physically left in the day. Or you have Chippos and Demitzrayim, Chippos and Yisrael. You have the frenzy of the Egyptians trying to get them out in the night. You have the urgency of the Jews to leave in the morning. To Zaman Demit, and with the fact that there's all these very different pockets of time associated with Yitzhak Mitzrayim, is the Zelba Toichem from Yitzhak Mitzrayim, that theme of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, Exodus, breaking free of Mitzrayim, is Nimshach Opoyo Bechol, Dor Vador Bechol, Yoim Vayoim, is something that extends right throughout the whole of history. That every one of us is obligated to view ourselves as if we've left Egypt today. To the point that we say in the Haggadah, if the Abisha had not taken our forefathers out of Mitzrayim, we would be a Mitzrayim. So there you have a very clear time frame. This happened, then this happened, then that happened, past, present, future. That defines Yetzirah Mitzrayim. And yet at the same time, Yetzirah Mitzrayim is a concept that stretches right across the span of time and is relevant to us now. That's what Shabbos does. Shabbos has the evening of Shabbos, the morning of Shabbos, the afternoon of Shabbos, different tefillahs, different meals, etc. And Shabbos is a unified concept of living beyond time because you could rest. So you're not bound by the clock. That helps us understand why the Alter Rebbe insists that it's not just that a miracle occurred and therefore it's a great Shabbos, but a great miracle occurred. What's a great miracle? In Demas Murmus the Shaykh Shabbos, the Alter Rebbe wants to link the nature of this miracle to the nature of Shabbos. There's quite a well-known sikha from the Rebbe, that the great miracle of Shabbos is not the fact that 
Egyptians were killed, it's the fact that Egyptian firstborns killed Egyptians. Because we know that a firstborn always represents the power, the, the pristine nature of a particular group. Therefore, the firstborn Egyptians, they represent the power of that spiritual um, aberration called Mitzrayim. And here's a scenario where the Jews are still slaves in Mitzrayim, under Memshelis Paray, under Paray's jurisdiction. Vir is not betokvay, and Paray at that time is the superpower. On Paray met Mitzrayim villain b'shumay finit arayz lozen didim for Mitzrayim. At a time where Paray and his inner circle and the whole nation, for that matter, refused to let the Jews go. When in Azazman, in such circumstances, monon bechayre Mitzrayim is mizom b'afrayin didim. It's the, the the Egyptian firstborns who now insist on letting the Jews go. And they believe so strongly the Jews should go that they take up arms and they fight against the Egyptians. That's incredible. And, and, in, and in spite of this, Paro is not unseated. Even after the civil war, he doesn't budge and he's not letting the Jews go. That is a unique miracle, a great miracle we don't normally see. Normally miracles, normally miracles to save the Jews are destroy the enemy. Hang Haman on a tree. But the whole chap of this battle that occurred between the firstborn Egyptians and the rest of the nation, that is the transformation. Taking the actions of darkness and turning them into actions of light. Where the most powerful elements of Klippa are fighting on behalf of Kedusha. That is unprecedented. That's why Hashem's instruction to the Jewish people to take these lambs to prepare for the Korban Pesach, which was the catalyst to get this whole civil war started, the Ebershon wanted that process to begin on a Shabbos. Because Shabbos is all about exactly what this miracle would be all about. Shabbos is where you get rid of harmful elements. How do you get rid of them? You transform them into beneficial elements. That's what happened over here in the story. The enemies of the Jews fought on behalf of the Jews. That's why, out of all the various reasons why the Shabbos could be called Shabbos HaGodol, the Alter Rebbe only chooses to quote the, the, the explanation that it's because of the civil war between the firstborns and the Egyptians. He doesn't even quote any of the other reasons, not even as a second reason. The reason Alter Rebbe only uses this particular explanation is because this is the explanation that helps us understand why it's called the Great Shabbos. The Pirush of Shabbos HaGodol is, we always thought Shabbos HaGodol means this Shabbos is great because a great miracle happened on the Shabbos. 
But there's more to it. As in the Inim for Shabbos Ubitel Hamazikim. Really, Shabbos Agodo means what Shabbos represents, which includes neutralizing and transforming harmful elements, is their Godel. This Shabbos stands out from all other Shabbos in that regard. That says in the Gresser on Hechra Madrega von Schwisa. That means this is a Shabbos, the two options of how you neutralize negative forces. This is the Godel, the greater option of the two. Not to destroy the clipper and neutralize it completely. But rather to transform the clipper as it is into an ally. That not only do the firstborns, in this case, not harm the Jews, but they help the Jews, they help holiness. And that concept of taking the negative and bringing them across to assist the positive, that played out in the Shabbos HaGadol. And it was visible in the great miracle of the firstborn Egyptians fighting against Egyptian society. This is completely different to the other ten plagues. It's even different to the plague of killing the firstborns. Death of the firstborns means destroy the firstborns. Which is the first lower version of how you get rid of harmful elements. Get rid of them. What happened on Shabbos HaGadol is so incredibly unique. You've got these powerful Egyptians who believe in the Egyptian cause fighting for the Jewish cause. With that information, and this deeper perspective, we could explain another detail that is relevant in how the Alter Rebbe in his Shulchan Aruch describes Shabbos HaGadol. In Onufang Seif, at the beginning of the paragraph, when he tells us that the day of the 10th of Nisan was Shabbos, he then explains how we know this. Here's a Moisif. The Yidden left Mitzrayim on a Thursday. Logically, if Thursday is the 15th of the month, Shabbos is the 10th. Why does he have to tell us? The fact that the Jews left Egypt on a Thursday is something the Gemara explains to us. And based on that, Toysus points out that the, the, the taking of the lambs had to have been on Shabbos. Okay, belongs in Gemara. Gemara is where you go into that level of detail. Why in the Shulchan Aruch, which is a code of Jewish law? Yes, it's true that the Alter Rebbe in his Shulchan Aruch does something unique where he brings not only the bottom line halacha but also the reasoning behind the halacha. It's fine. That's not a good enough reason. No, this is not a reason. This is just explaining how the timeline works. It's not a reason why Shabbos HaGadol is Shabbos HaGadol. The Alter Rebbe brings reasons for Allah. It's not a reason for Allah. It's just establishing the timeline. Generally speaking, the Alter Rebbe does not quote the sources. In fact, most times, the Alter Rebbe doesn't even tell us who the source is. So all the Alter Rebbe had to tell us was that day was Shabbos. You want to know more? Go look it up. It's not the Alter Rebbe's job to tell us how we know it's Shabbos. 
Shlema as Mikdem Vert Mavur Dem Teichon and Disciple from Shabbos Agodel, but the Alter Rebbe used this to explain to us a deeper understanding of what Shabbos Agodel is about and how it happened. To understand what Alter Rebbe is telling us, the Kavon of Atachlis from Emtziva Beosah Chedesh as Evi Cholim Yisrael of Esav is Goimer. Obviously, the intention of telling people on the tenth of Nisan to take lambs to their homes. Which was the catalyst for the civil war of the Egyptian firstborns against everybody else. There are two ways that we could look at the instruction to take these lambs. Aleph, we could either say, to take a lamb on the 10th of Nisan, which resulted in the various miracles. Wasn't just simply a preparation for what was going to happen, leaving Mitzrayim and all the various miracles. But it's possible to say taking a lamb on the 10th of Nisan is intrinsically valuable. That's one possibility. Or we could say, Beis, The only reason to take a lamb on the 10th of Nisan is given, is only because we need to be able to have a Korban Pesach in a few days' time. So this is just a means to an end. Right? Two possibilities. There's value in taking the lamb on the day, or there's no real value in the lamb. It's just a preparation to the Korban Pesach in a few days' time. Just as you could distinguish between the philosophy of how you understand the mitzvah, you could also have the similar distinction between the spirituality behind the mitzvah. Either we could say the great miracles that happen on Shabbos HaGadol, the Makai Mitzrayim B'Vchoreyem, it's just a preparation for what's coming, which will be the real great revelation of Hashem. The Ebesh is going to reveal himself personally, take them out of Egypt personally. They'll see things at Kriyas Yamsuf that nobody's ever seen. They're going to have a Matan Torah. Or we could say that there's something about the miracle of Shabbos HaGadol independently of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Two possibilities. On the river, so therefore, because there are these two possibilities, when the Alter Rebbe explains to us what Shabbos HaGadol is, Zok the Alter Rebbe, he contextualizes it by telling us, On Thursday, the Jews left Egypt. And if the 15th of Nisan is a Thursday, then the 10th of Nisan has to be a Shabbos. So we now know when Shabbos HaGadol was. He's not just giving us information of a timeline, he's helping us understand the nature of Shabbos HaGadol. That the nature of this day, the 10th of Nisan, and the instruction that accompanies it, which is to take a lamb, and the miracles which result from them taking the lamb, is all because, how did we get there? Because of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Why is there a Shabbos HaGadol? So that we'll get to Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Why are there these the miracles? To prepare us for Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Now, Pia based on what we've already learned, as the nest from Shabbos HaGadol is, the fact that we have learned that the nature of the miracle of Shabbos HaGadol, which is linked to the nature of Shabbos, is all about the transformation of negative into positive darkness into light, 
is noch memavor bepnimis on yom dehi safa behiba shabbos chulei gives us an even deeper appreciation of why the Alter Rebbe wanted us to know that Yitzias Mitzrayim is a Thursday and therefore extrapolate backwards that Shabbos Agodel was the tenth of Nisan. Spiritually, what is this? Shabbos is doch sfer samalchus. We said before about the concept of Shabbos being within time and beyond time. So now we'll explain it from a ruchnistika perspective. Shabbos we know represents the element of malchus, which is always typically described as the lowest out of the ten spheres. And that's why we say Shabbos Malchus. Shabbos is the queen. Demot states, Sfiris HaMalchus in an aliyah in the Hechra Sfiris. But what happens on Shabbos is, Malchus is elevated outside of its normal realm into the realm of the higher Sfiris. Zo bino chulei. Aber wie bald das Malchus mit Zadatzma wird ongruf von der Hira Ukmo Utechelis. Now, in Kabbalah, Malchus is always described as the dark fire. So if you look at a candle closer to the wick, where the actual combustion takes place, the flame is blue. Nahira Ukma, we call it, or Tcheles. And that represents Malchus, the energy from Hashem that engages with and combusts the world, and therefore it's kind of sullied by the world and darkened. The godliness isn't so revealed. And therefore the power of Malchus, like the flame has the power to burn the wick, the power of Malchus is to enter the world and to neutralize the negative forces in the world. So even though we've already said, right, that is Shabbos. Shabbos is about neutralizing negative and harmful forces. We also said that that will only really activate fully when Mashiach comes. When Shabbos will become the reality of all time. And now in our world, Shabbos doesn't transform the real toxic, harmful elements of the world. But it is able to transform Kripas Noga. So, for example, food, which all week long we'd have to engage with, with a spiritual intention in order to elevate into something meaningful, Shabbos does so automatically. It automatically converts the Kripas Noga, the mundanities of this world, to become holy. So, if that's how it is now, can you imagine the Jews when they were still in Egypt? When they were not yet commanded to keep Shabbos, which means they weren't yet empowered with the full impact of Shabbos. The power of Shabbos to transform and neutralize the negative of the world wasn't so revealed yet. That's why the Altareb explains to us as the Nesm Shabbos Agodel is verbunden, that the miracle of Shabbos Agodel was not locked into only that Shabbos, but it was linked to something that would happen in the future. That already on Shabbos Hagodah they were plugged into a future experience of the Geula from Mitzrayim. What would happen at the time of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, so Malchus is very, so to speak, low on the spiritual hierarchy. Sviris Abina is very high on the spiritual hierarchy. Bina, the ability to understand, gives a person a sense of freedom, of liberation, insight, Bina also um, stimulates a person to have self-control. Gvura is related to Bina. That was all going to be exposed to them only at the time of Gula, uh, of Gula five days later. Because we know that Bina is what motivates and precipitates the capacity for healthy Gvura, discipline, focus. 
kumt mitzad ir de inyan fun ishapcha hanal lamaka mitzrayim bifchoreim, that that's actually what stimulates the possibility of the bechoreim fighting against mitzrayim. Bina clarity, which gives them gvura, power, but in a focus, because gvura is also focused, in a focused way to express their power appropriately. Because we know a principle teaches us that something which is din, something which is harsh, can only be rectified, can only be, so to speak, mitigated or sweetened if you can reach the source. In simple English, if you have a conflict with somebody online, you'll never resolve the conflict because you're not speaking to the source. Go sit with the person face to face. You actually get to the source of them. You can... Allay all of the, the, the harshness and all of the negativity. So because Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is going to activate Bina. Bina gives us the opportunity to turn Gevura from being something negative into something helpful. So therefore the Geula is going to empower the Shabbos to be able to allow us to neutralize, or in this case, transform the negative harmful forces. In Anoifim Fun Godel, that a Shabbos which isn't yet empowered, because it's a pre-Torah Shabbos, should actually become a great Shabbos, which can have the effect that those harmful elements switch around and come to support the Jewish people. We know that Arizal explains that the Pasuk in the Megillah that says these days are remembered and done, that it means that Arizal explains what that means is when we remember the, 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 the stories appropriately, they rehappen, they reoccur. Even though you could say we're still servants of Achashverosh. In other words, still in Golas. They're not just any Golas, but we're an incredibly dark Golas. Which is quite similar to how the Jews were on the 10th of Nisan, let's be honest. Even though there was going to be a Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim in a few days' time, they were still very much trapped in Mitzrayim. The lesson is, Every one of us can take our lamb as the Pasuk says, Mishchu, you've got to draw your hands and take the lamb for Pesach. As we well know, the Mechilta explains, Mishchu means withdraw your hands from engagement in Avoid Zorah, which was a big problem for the Jews in Mitzrayim. And cleave instead to Hashem's Mitzvahs. Which means, In our terms, that means, Mishchu, stay away from behavior that is foreign for a Jewish person. Fremd Farayidin. There's no way Jews are getting involved in real Avoid Zorah. That doesn't happen anymore. Especially as the Gemara tells us that the temptation of Avoid Zorah has already been totally dissipated. On a state, but vacus for mitzvahs. So we've got to get to do is get away from things that are foreign that don't belong in a Jewish person's life, and instead engage with mitzvahs. Obachlolos to put it more broadly, mishchu is the kav von sun meira. Mishchu represents staying away from negative. And kulochem idafka mitzvahs the kav von vasetoiv. And taking the lamb means taking the opportunity to do a mitzvah. So any one of us who does that, who engages with avoidance of what the Torah prohibits and engagement with what the Torah asks us to do. And then a person doesn't just do those things, but does them with strength. And dedication. 
Und man spielt seinen Pelz durch seine Spur, als das Sultan ich als Väter ist. Und zu engaged in Mitzvahs in such a way, dass du influence others to do the same, ohne eben von der eigenen Bene Bayer, starting with your own family, as the Pasuk says, wie kann ich selber base of us, you first took a lamb for your family. So when we do that, wird er durch den Matzliach sein, zu wirken euch auf der Dresden der Gewalt herumem. That empowers us to have an influence and, 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 to, and to, to literally shift the world that is around us. Including other nations. To the point that the leaders, the elite of those nations work with full enthusiasm on our behalf. And just like when the Yidin left Mitzrayim, we'll have the same experience that even before leaving, even before Moshiach comes, we'll see amazing miracles. And from those in Yidin, Greaten, Sech, Tzumarin, and Flois, we'll prepare ourselves to see the great miracles of Moshiach. Like the Pasuk says, us and our children, everybody, not one soul of a shoe, not one foot will be left behind. We'll be able to go out of Golos and greet Moshiach immediately.